Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. Today we're going to talk about the foundation of happiness. What does it take? What does it mean to have a happy life? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, God, for this time together, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is with us, Lord, and that, Lord, we can truly lay a foundation in our life, Lord, to live a happy life. Lord, we'll give you the praise for this time. In your precious name, amen. You know, engineers will tell you the most important part of a structure is the foundation. If you don't have a foundation to build on, you, you just aren't able to build anything on top of it. I remember when I was coaching track at Barberton, and they were building a new high school. And every day if you were down there, you heard a pounding sound. They had 100-foot pylons, these giant steel pylons. And they had to literally pound these things into the ground, hundreds of them. And all day, pound, pound. And they would pound these all the way into the ground until they hit bedrock. And then they were able on top of there to build the foundation to support the weight of the school. You see this in New York and Boston and a lot of places that uh, build uh, close to the water. You'll see them have to utilize pylons and various things to build a foundation in order to build these skyscrapers and these large structures. Without that foundation, nothing's going to be able to be built on it. You know, the same thing's true in our life when we talk about a foundation of happiness. If we don't have a foundation built in our life, then we'll never be happy. We can never build anything on top of that foundation. I remember uh, years ago being on a plane flight, and if you're like me, you're always wondering, who's going to sit next to me on the plane? <laughs> and if you're like me, you seem to attract some characters in your life. Present company excluded. But I don't know if that says more about me or them. But so, all of a sudden, a man comes in, and uh, he's well-dressed. He's got a nice watch. He seems very healthy and well-to-do, and he sits down next to me. And from the time he sat down, he complained. That's all he did was complain. Uh, he complained that the plane was too hot. He complained it was taking too long for the plane to take off. Complained and complained. And so I tried to be positive and, and, and be encouraging, but he just kept complaining. And it came to a point where the flight attendant had come back, and he started complaining to her, and then he complained to me about the flight attendant. And at that point, I just kind of had enough. And so I, I looked uh, in front of me, I looked behind me, and I said to him, I said, you know, there must be over 100 people on this plane. And there's two flight attendants. I said, I, I think they're doing a great job. Well, after that, he didn't want to talk to me too much. <laughs> but that was okay. But on the same flight, it was interesting. There was a man sitting diagonally across the aisle from us. And I watched this man come in. And he was having so much trouble just walking down the aisle of the plane. You could tell he had some type of physical handicap. There was something going on. But you could tell it was very painful. And he sat down in the seat, and from the moment he sat down, he started to talk to the people around him. You could hear him. He was quite loud. And he was so happy. He was so kind. And as the flight attendant came by and gave him his water and his snack, 
And he was so grateful and thankful to her. And I thought, what a contrast here. You have a man who seems like he's well off, that everything's going for him. But yet, he's miserable. He's complaining. But, but then you have a man right here across from him who seems to have all of these physical challenges, but yet he's happy. What's the difference? The difference was the man with the physical challenges was thankful. The man who had, seemed to have everything was thankless. If you want to build a foundation of happiness in your life, if you want to lay that foundation, the first key in your life is to be thankful is to have gratitude in your life. Without that, you're never going to lay a foundation that you can build happiness on. It's just not going to happen. It's the first key. It's the first part of the foundation. It's those pylons that you drill into the ground to hit bedrock is happiness. There's so many statistics about gratitude. You'll see them all the time. It talks about how uh, being grateful for things, it helps our physical health, our mental health our self-worth. It helps to reduce anger. It's so many things. One study said over 80% of workers said they would work harder if their boss showed gratitude. In the book of Psalms 136, the writer tells us, verses one through three, he says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 26 says, Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever. Four, four times he uses that phrase for his mercy endureth forever. Uh, some versions says for his faithful love endureth forever. How important it is to be thankful. How important it is, as the psalmist writes, to uh, be repetitive in our thankfulness. To praise God. That's a form of praise as we do our praise and worship. Uh, a form of praise is to be repetitive, is to thankful, to be thankful to God. How important it is in our life. Today we look at a story about a group of people who were ungrateful people and what it cost them. A little bit of background, you can picture this. The children of Israel have escaped Egypt. They had been under the rule of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They had been held in slavery. And now they had escaped. God has allowed them to escape. He has brought them out of Egypt. Moses has led them. They crossed the Red Sea. Remember that great miracle where God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land and Pharaoh's army was crushed. And now they're at Mount Sinai. They're going to receive the Ten Commandments, the law of God. Uh, they're getting ready to make their journey to the promised land. And you can, you can see the camp all around the mountain of, of two million people all around the mountain camped. And Moses has went up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from God. There was a lot of things for them to be thankful for. This was a very special time. But we see some things going on here in Exodus chapter 32. It says, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, Moses' brother. He was the, the high priest, the spiritual leader. And he said unto them, and they said unto to Aaron, up, make us gods which shall go before us. 
For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out the land of Egypt. So the people here, they're waiting on Moses to come down the mountain. Moses has taken some time. And so the people start, start clamoring. They, they start saying, well, I don't know what happened to Moses. I mean, he went up that mountain and, and we haven't seen him. I don't know if he's coming back. I don't know where I don't know, he's lost. If something got him up there, I don't know what's going on. But we need to do something right now. And so they go to Aaron and they say to Aaron, we've got to do something, Aaron. We've got to make an idol or something that we can follow, something that we can worship. Now, this was very common in Egypt where they had just came out of slavery. The Egyptians had a history of worshiping several different gods. And so they were, they were used to being in a culture that worshiped graven images and gods, and so for them, they fell right back into that old behavior that they had come out of. You know, a lot of times people will escape a terrible situation, but they continue to act like they're still in that situation. You see that in relationships. A person escapes relationships, but they continue to carry harmful thoughts and beliefs and behaviors on for years after it. For years after it. They carry those things on in their life. But see, God freed Israel. He had brought them out of all that. He had brought them from the control of the Egyptians. He had freed them from that idol worship. And when God frees you from evil, you're free. When God delivers you from something, you're free. You don't need to think about those harmful thoughts, those beliefs, all those things that hold us back, all those things that entangle us and imprison us. We are free from that. God has made us free. In John chapter 8, it says, if the Son, therefore, if Jesus Christ, therefore, shall make you free, you are free indeed. We are free because of the power of Jesus Christ. We are free because what he did on the cross. And all the sins and all the things that the devil tries to hold against us, because of what Christ has done, we are free. And we can live a free life. Uh, but Israel, they wanted to disobey God. They wanted to continue down that path of worshiping idols. They were ungrateful for the things that God had done for them and was continuing to do for them. You see, ungrateful people, they poison people around them. Just like that man on the plane, he, he was trying to complain and poison everyone around him. The people of Israel, they poisoned Aaron. Here, a man who was a, supposed to be a spiritual leader, they poisoned him into building this idol for them to worship. They poisoned many of their friends and family around them to believe this. And people started to act in a way that was disobedient to God. In verse 5, we see, it says, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made the proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings 
and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly. They have turned aside quickly and out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people and they are a stiff neck. They're a stubborn people, Moses. You see, ungrateful people are never truly happy. Well, they can have some, some moments of happiness, but it's not true happiness because of what the foundation of their life is. It's not secure foundation. So they're never really happy. And, and God says to Moses, he says, they're, they're, they're searching for something else. They turned aside quickly. Oh, Moses, they, they were on my side. They were, they were worshiping me. And then all of a sudden, something didn't go their way. And that quick, that quickly, they turned aside to something else. People, a lot of times, will, will turn aside from God when something doesn't go their way. They'll blame God. And so quickly they turn aside, and they're looking for something else to fill their life. They're looking for something else to build their happiness on. And that's what we see is happening here today. God told Moses, go take care of your people. Now, I kind of find this a little humorous. I think back to when, think back when you were a kid and you did something wrong. And there's mom and dad standing there, and what does mom say to dad? Go take care of your son. <laughs> Not my kid anymore. My kid doesn't act like that. Go take care of your son. And that's what God says to Moses. You better go take care of your people because they're out of control, Moses. And so Moses heads down the mountain to take care of the ungrateful people. Ungrateful people focus on the wrong things. They were focused on the wrong things. There was so much going right for Israel. There were so many things going right for them. They had escaped slavery. God was blessing them with the law. They were headed to the promised land. So many things were going right, but they chose to focus on what was wrong. This way of thinking kept them out of the promised land. This way of complaining and negativity, that was the thing that kept them out of the promised land. Remember when they got there? Ten of the spies said negative things. We can't do this. They started to complain. Complaining and ungratefulness keeps us out of the blessings that God has for us. So many times God has led us down a road and we might have went through a lot of trials and troubles but God has something at the end of that road. And if we don't turn aside, if we don't go another direction, we'll make it to the blessing he has. We'll make it to that promised land that he has for us. So in verses 19 and 20, Moses is hurrying to get down the mountain. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tablets out of his hand. He took the Ten Commandments and he threw them to the ground and they break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strode it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink it. So Moses came down the mountain. 
he sees the disobedience going on. And Israel gets a wake-up call. And they really got a wake-up call. You know, the people that had built the calf, Moses melts down the calf, he grounds it into powder, he puts it in water, and he makes the people drink it. You know, that, that's, as a kid, when you got your mouth washed out with soap, I thought that was bad. But he made the people drink it because of their disobedience. And more than that, there was more that took place because the people were acting. There were people in the camp that were so wicked that they were literally out of control. They were acting like crazy people running around the camp. And so Moses, he had a call to action. He said, who's ever on the Lord's side, stand with me. And the Levites, the ones that would be the ones to take care of the tabernacle, the, the spiritual leaders, they came to Moses and they surrounded him. And they went out in the camp because they had to restore order. And ended up 3,000 people were killed that day. People who were wicked and crazy and just running around out of control. They had to restore the order. And they finally restored the order in the camp. Israel's disobedience was rooted not only in this selfishness, but in their ingratitude. The second key the second key to lay a foundation of happiness is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ in your life, you'll never be able to lay that solid foundation that you can build a happy life on, that, that you can build a life where you look at the world and you're thankful and, and you're encouraging and you're, you're upbeat and you're happy and you, you see things through the eyes of God rather than seeing them through the eyes of man. Israel chose not to have a relationship with God at that moment. They chose to have a relationship with an inanimate object, a golden calf, an idol over the living God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, our victory over sin, our victory over depression, our victory over anxiety, our victory over ingratitude, our victory over sin lies in one person, and that's Jesus Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. What he did for us on the cross, it conquered sin, it conquered death, it conquered hell, it conquered depression, it conquered all of those things through our relationship with him. It's entering that relationship with Jesus Christ that gives us salvation. Israel thought their answer was a golden calf. Uh, they thought that they would put their trust in a golden calf. But throughout history, they, they chased so many other gods throughout history. When the true and the living God was waiting and wanting a relationship with them. Oh, they wanted things quick and easy. But that sounds like today, doesn't it? So many times we look at history and we think, oh, it was very different back then. But a lot of times human behavior is very similar thousands of years ago as it is today. And people want things quick, don't they? Uh, we see this in our lives. They want a quick way to happiness. We see three easy steps and you'll be happy right now. Uh, five minute abs or four or three or whatever it's down to. I don't know. Uh, we, we see that get rich in a week, be a millionaire in a week. All of these things we, we see quick, quick. Our society wants everything now. We don't work for it. We want it now, right now. And that's, that's how Israel was. But there's a problem with that. It doesn't work. It takes dedication in life. It takes dedication. If you want something, it takes being dedicated to it. 
It takes working at it. It just doesn't happen. I have people that ask me, they say, well, my son or my daughter, they're, they're really getting into to basketball. They love basketball. And they, they want to make a travel team. They, they want to make their junior high team. It's something they really want to do. How can they get to be a better shooter? And I tell them, well, first of all, if it's something that they really want to do, if this is their love and they want to dedicate themselves to it, then I say go for it. And there's two steps to it. The first step is you got to find a shooting coach that can, can get you the proper form, good form. you got to uh, muscle memory. you got to condition your body to be able to shoot the ball efficiently. That's the first thing. The second thing is you have to shoot every day. you got to get a place that has a shooting gun, uh, this mechanical device that you shoot into and rebounds for you and keeps all your stats. And you got to shoot hundreds of shots a day, and you got to do that five, six times a, a day in the off-season. Our, our son, he... Would shoot 500 shots a day, five, six times a week. Came to be a very good shooter. And I tell people that. That's what you have to do if you want to be a good shooter in basketball. And people say, well, you know, I really, uh, I don't know about the coach thing. I afford that. And then, well, we got to find a place that has a shooting gun. And we got to, I got to do that. We got to take them there every day. And is there another way? Is there an easier way to do it? No. Because you know what? It takes dedication if you want to be good at something. It takes working hard if you want to be good at something. There's not a quick fix for that. And, and taking it back to where we're at today, when we look at our happiness in our life, it's the same thing. It's not just a quick fix. It takes dedication in our life to have a desire to be happy. It takes dedication to say every day, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to improve the things I got to do. I'm going to continue to lay that foundation because I want to be happy in my life. And I know that it's not just going to come with a quick fix. It's something i got to work on. i got to be dedicated to every day of my life. If you want to be happy, you have to be dedicated to building a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. Having daily communication with him. Having daily time in God's word. Daily building a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's dedicated to train your mind daily, sometimes hourly, isn't it? I know sometimes I'll get to, to where I'm complaining. I, a couple weeks ago, I was driving, driving to work, and I'm thinking all these things, and they're all negative things. I got to do this, this, and this. And then I just looked up, and I seen all of the beautiful leaves, the reds and the oranges and the yellows, like God just took a paintbrush and he just painted them. I seen all those beautiful leaves, and I said, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the beauty that even driving to work, I... It, the beauty that you've put in front of me. And I started to thank God. And, and you know, every time I get to that place where I'm complaining and I'm negative and I catch myself, I say, I got to turn this around. I got to start being grateful. I got to start thanking God. Sometimes that's daily, sometimes that's hourly. But it takes dedication to do that, to train our mind to be grateful, to be thankful. It's not a quick fix. Sometimes in our life when we talk about happiness, and I think this is so important, when we talk about depression and anxiety, it's much like a, we have physical ailments, like we have heart conditions and, and cancer and various things that we have. And, and when we deal with depression and anxiety, it's the same type of thing. There are things that oftentimes need, need a treatment. And I always encourage people. Uh, we have a tremendous Christian psychologist here at the church, 
And I always encourage people to find a, a great Christian psychologist or psychiatrist that can help in those areas because some people really do need that help, somebody to, to come alongside them and work with them. It's very important that we understand that and that we treat those things. And I encourage you, if you're suffering with depression and anxiety and it's overwhelming your life, then find somebody you can partner with that can help you with that. That, that, can, that can help lay that foundation that, and a Christian-based foundation that you can then turn around and start building happiness on. It's so important in our life. You know, it was uh, on that note when I was looking to finish the message and I had all my points made and everything, I just felt like there was something that was, something that was missing. And I started to pray about it and think about it. And, and God brought a thought into my head. It's amazing sometimes how, you know, God just directs you. And he brought a thought in about a book that I had read many years ago, about 25 years ago, a book called Happiness is a Choice. A couple uh, Christian psychiatrists, uh, Frank Minerith and uh, Paul Meyer, they wrote this book many years ago. And I got it off my shelf and started to flip through it. And I found a chapter. And I thought, I'm going to read this chapter. And as I started to read the chapter, I said, well, the Lord wants this part in the message. I know that because it was my second point about having a relationship with Christ. And, and they were talking about seven basic guidelines to build a happy life on. And here's what they say. They say, without a vital personal relationship with Jesus Christ, no human will have the power within themselves to consistently choose these seven basic guidelines, these basic guidelines for happiness. And I'm going to share those in a moment. Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to have the foundation. You're not going to have the power to be able to truly be happy in life. And these seven are very powerful. I'm going to list them now. You may want to write some of these down because they're very powerful guidelines that they talk about to build a happy life. The first one says, commit your daily life to the purpose of glorifying Jesus Christ. The second one says, spend some time each day meditating on God's word and applying it to your life. Number three says, get rid of grudges daily. Fourth one says, spend time nearly every day building closer relationships with family and friends. The fifth one says, spend time each week having fellowship and fun with other believers. Number six, be involved in a daily routine that brings satisfaction to you. Be convinced this routine is God's will and purpose for your life and a way to glorify him. And the last one says, do something nice for a special person each week without a vital personal relationship with Jesus Christ no human will have the power within themselves to consistently choose these seven basic guidelines you see you have to have a foundation for whatever you're building in life and if you're building happiness if you want to build a happy life you have to have a foundation that's rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ Happiness is a choice. It's a choice to dedicate to do the things that you need to do to be happy in your life. It's a choice to be thankful instead of complain. It's a choice to have that daily relationship with Christ and make him the foundation of your life. In closing, I thought of a story that is kind of a, a little bit of a humorous story. 
a friend of mine and, and a business partner, uh, we, were, we were going to a, uh, a meeting with a large company. And so they flew us into the city and we were having this meeting at their headquarters and it was up on like the 40th floor of this, of this tower. And so we go in and they said, this is the boardroom that we're going to be having the meeting in. And so it had a signed seating. So we sit down and it had a 25 foot wood table and round table and wood walls overlooked the city. It was incredible. I thought at any minute security was going to come in and take me out of there and say, you don't belong here, buddy. And so we're sitting there and one of the, the individuals said, uh, said to my friend, they said, you're actually, the seat that you're in is the seat where our CEO sits. And he looks at me and he says, the seat that you're in is the seat where our chairman of the board sits. And so the meeting went on a little bit. And after about a half hour, a man walks in and my friend, he, he leaned over and he says, hey, is that the CEO of the company? And I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm not sure if that's him or not, but if it is, you're sitting in his chair. You need to get out. Think about that in our lives. You know, in our lives, there's a, there's, a, there's a CEO chair in our life. That's the person that makes the calls. That's the person that directs our life. That's the person who's in charge. Who's sitting in that chair today in your life? Who's in that chair? Have you said... Well, I'm in that chair. I, I, I make control of everything. I'm taking control of my life. I do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and when I want to do it. Is somebody else sitting in that chair? Have you, have you let somebody else uh, in a relationship or a friendship, have you let them control your life and sit in that chair? For some people, it's an addiction. It's a substance that's sitting in that chair that's controlling their life, that's making all the decisions in their life. Well, I want to tell you today, if anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ is sitting in the CEO chair of your life, you're never going to be able to build a foundation of happiness. You're never going to be able to have the life that you truly want. Unless he is running the show, unless he is the boss of our lives, unless he is the one that's directing us and guiding us, if anyone else is in that chair, We'll never have that opportunity to be happy in our lives. You know, God is waiting for us. God wants a relationship in our life. Maybe you're here today and you've never had a time when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe there's never been a time when uh, you have entered a relationship with him. The Bible says it's so easy to do. It's simply asking Christ come into our lives and believing that he is our Lord and Savior. We're going to give an opportunity now as the praise teams comes up. We're going to sing a song and we're going to give an opportunity for you to ask Jesus to come into your life, to make him the CEO of your life. Maybe in your life right now you said, I've accepted Christ in my life. But you know what? He's not sitting in the CEO chair. I've kind of pushed him out of the boardroom. Maybe today's the day that you can bring Jesus back into the proper place and set him in that CEO chair, set him in the chair of your life where you're making decisions based on what God has for your life. And if we can do that, if we can do that, we'll lay the foundation of happiness. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your love.
God, we thank you, Lord, that, Lord, we know what it takes to be truly happy in our life. We know that it's a, it's a foundation that you have laid for us. Lord, that all we have to do is to give our lives control over to you. All we have to do is to make you the CEO of our life. All we have to do, God, is to dedicate daily to have a relationship with you, to be thankful, God, for all the things that you've given, for all the things you've brought into our lives. Lord, we'll give you all the praise for that and all the glory in your precious name. Amen. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior, and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.